Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Katie, I'm going to introduce you because I don't know if everybody that's on today uh, knows you or anything about your background. So I'm going to take a minute and just introduce you to the group. Uh, Yeah, so Katie is uh, a good friend of mine. Katie is the author of the international number one best-selling book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. Uh, she's an internationally recognized leadership and learning coach, consultant, and professional speaker, best known for inspiring individuals, including myself, and organizations to lead with intention and increase their personal and professional impact. Katie is passionate about helping people around the world uh, learn to lead and lead to learn by connecting purpose, process, and practice to achieve higher levels of performance. Mm. And Katie, recently you've kicked off your own podcast here, which I've noticed, well, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. All right. You've outed me. It's been a soft, it's soft launch. Um, yeah. It's all of, I'm starting, to, I realized all of the author interviews that I've been doing on video people it's great that they're up on youtube and we you know write the show notes as well on my blog but many people want to listen to something on the go and so we decided to start putting them as audio and over time i'm going to go back and put including your interview and we'll do some more too back um, on the audio and then maybe we'll expand it to be even uh even a broader podcast so you guys are in the first in the know because it's been a very sort of soft launch you can't sneak anything by me, Katie. I've been watching. Yeah, leading leading to learn, though. <laughs> not, not a surprising surprising uh, title there. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. Um, and well, why don't I introduce uh, you two? I think uh, for those right. of you who don't know Patrick, but I'm sure most of you do, since uh, he's hosting our show today. Um, you know, Patrick Adams, of course, is a dear friend of mine, and is the author of the newly awarded Shingo Prize book, uh, Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap, which I have here in my hands, and the host of the Lean Solutions podcast. He's an international speaker, coach, and consultant, and he's been delivering bottom line results through specialized process improvement solutions for over 20 years. Um, Besides being just an overall great guy, Patrick is a proven leader and a highly experienced consultant with specific niche focus on organizational strategy and leadership development, which brings a unique human approach to sound team building practices, creating consensus and enabling empowerment. So there's no uh, question why Patrick and I get along so well. It's all about the people, engagement, empowerment, and then we make process improvement through that. So true, so true. Um, Katie, I uh, I wanted to kick off the, all right, thank you, by the way, for the amazing introduction, appreciate that. Um, I, wanted, I wanna kick off uh, our discussion today and talk we're for those of you that are just popping on and didn't really didn't know what we were doing today we're talking about cultures of continuous improvement and i i I think you know it might be a a great way to kick things off katie would be for you to just explain maybe a little bit about what you have behind you on the shelf there some of these uh amazing uh art artifacts that you have can you just tell us what uh what you have here maybe Yeah, yeah. I'll get my giant one. So this is these are so for those of you who don't know, I had the incredible opportunity to live in Japan in 2015 and 16 with my family, which is 
we're the genesis of getting to know Isao Yoshino, the 40-year Toyota leader who's the subject of my book, started. And so we'll dive into that more. Um, but in that time that I was living in Japan, I became I became aware of these dolls called Daruma dolls. They're, this one's pretty big, as you can tell, it's bigger than my head. And they're weighted paper mache um, figures that uh, serve two purposes. One, when you have a goal, you fill in the doll's um, left eye with a pupil, and then it sits there as a visual reminder of your goal. And when you finally, sorry, the left eye, when you finally achieve it, you get to fill in the doll's right eye. But mm. what's really special here is they're all weighted at the bottom and represent the Japanese proverb, fall down seven times, get up eight. And so it's really about the perseverance and patience and commitment it takes to uh, achieve a goal, that it's not something that necessarily happens easily, but about how can we get up and learn our way forward. And so what more uh, fitting for continuous improvement lean folks than a visual visualization of a goal and a reminder that it's about continuous learning and continuous improvement in service of finally reaching our destinations. Yeah, I love it. And I love that you tied in the, the uh, being able to fall and get up uh, because you know, so many people, you know, they set a goal for themselves and then, uh, you know, they might have some challenges or some struggles along the way. And a lot of times people just give up on their goal based on, mm -hmm. them, you know, having some of those challenges. And I think that that's what a great visual reminder, uh, you know, of the, 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 the fact that if we want to reach our goals, you know, we have to really be willing be know that falling is part of the process and Absolutely. there's so much value in reflecting on what did we learn from that from those struggles and those challenges so that we can get back up and continue forward toward meeting that goal and absolutely and i think one of the one of the sort of false assumptions many of us sort of fall in the trap to is feeling like there shouldn't be struggle and setbacks in in the achievement of a goal or learning something new but it's getting okay with that inevitable struggle, the challenges, the setbacks. But what's important is creating that perseverance to continue to get forward and learn. Uh, I think it's just a beautiful thing. And you can see I have many, many Darumas uh, behind me as well. But I have this one specially made for me in Japan. And it says shiko, which means intention, which is my favorite word. And are we allowed to ask what the goal is for that Daruma? Because I see. Well, so I haven't goal. set uh, this one's. Okay. This one has has not. I have not chosen a goal for this one. The okay. the small dot you see here is was a mini pupil that was infused by the monks at the Daruma Temple, which I will be taking you to, to give it special spirit. Uh -huh. And I just haven't had a chance. Well, I haven't decided on a meaningful goal, a worthy goal yet for this one. But I have plenty of Darumas in the back, and in fact, I have one that I made. Where did it go? Oh, here we go. The last time I was in the town of Takasaki, which I will be taking you to when you join me in May in Japan, is this Daruma that I made in January of 2020. And I actually went to the, the factory where they make these little guys and I, I painted this one on. And this one was for a successful Japan study trip in 20, May 2020. And we know what happened there. You weren't able to come with me. There have been a lot of setbacks and I am excited to fill in this doll's eye in May when I finally get to take you and many others back to Japan. Oh, I'm so excited. We're gonna talk more about that here in a little yep. bit. Uh, but no, great way to kick things off. So uh, let's let's transition from there to uh, what it means to have a culture of excellence. Mm. So, you know, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about 
uh, creating this this uh, fire, uh, igniting this 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 flame of continuous improvement, and that there are certain ingredients that have to go into that. Mm. Uh, but you also, you know, uh, in your book and and in you know some of the master classes that you're doing in different ways, you've talked about uh, the the steps or the ingredients or the the things that are mm. necessary in order to make up a culture of excellence. Um, can you just help us understand a little bit more about that and what that might take? Sure. I mean, there's so much that we can dive into here. First yeah. and foremost, it's a connection to purpose and purpose beyond just making profit. But what's the real, the meaning and value that the organization exists for? And then how do people connect their role and what they do each and every day to, to sort of in, contribute to that purpose? So how do we find purpose and meaning in our work and in our organizations? And then as leaders uh, in organizations, there's a three point, the three part purpose that if we can do these things, we will really create a culture of excellence. One is clear, setting direction. So what's the clear priorities or direction that the, or the challenges the organization needs to achieve, the team needs to achieve. So making that clear for people and, and making the hard choices too, of what are we gonna do and what are we not gonna do? But then two, providing the support to their people to gain the capability and confidence to get there and to, to, to you know, contribute to problem solving and being empowered um, and to grow and develop. And then the third part is to start with ourselves, develop ourselves, because that's hard to do both of those. And we can focus on getting set the direction, providing support and developing ourselves. That will create a culture of excellence in what I call this chain of learning that exists across the organization where we're all kind of contributing together to getting better and moving up that mountain towards the ultimate goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's so much, there's so many elements within that as well, of course. Oh yeah. Well, and yeah, so yeah, let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, you talked about uh, the last thing that you just mentioned, uh, just I, I keyed in on just about developing ourselves and mm -hmm. there's so many times where I work with leaders who, uh, you know, are trying to develop others and they haven't taken care of themselves, right? And they, they're they not, uh, and when I say taking care of themselves, like taking it all the way back to where, you know, they're even struggling on, in their personal life uh, at home or with family, or there's things that are going on. And then they're coming to work, trying to put on this, this mask of everything's okay in my personal life. And now I'm gonna try to coach someone how to be a good leader. Um, I mean, we have to take care of ourselves, our emotional being, our mental being, we have to, uh, you know, take care of that first, number one. And then to your point, like developing our own personal skills, you know, what podcasts are you listening to? What books are you reading? Um, you know, how are you developing your own skills and abilities as a leader? Um, and then now let's transfer that and start coaching and developing others in the same way. Yeah. Would you, would you agree? I, I well, I told, I, yes, I totally agree. And also in the serve while developing ourselves sometimes we're not even aware of our blind spots or how we how the actions we're taking maybe aren't aligned with the impact that we want to have and i know that was certainly the case for me when i was in past leadership roles and this is where this concept of intention is so important to me when i moved to japan i didn't have business cards at the time or a logo and i said well just put the word intention on my card and I discovered that the, the way it was written in Japanese comes from some meaning mean heart and spirit and direction. And it's like intention, we need to, we need to actually cre 
create action to fulfill our intentions. So what's important to us inside our heart, who we want to be, and what are the actions we need to take? And most leaders that I've worked with, and this is my, you know, for looking at myself as well, we don't want to like create a bad environment or take over, you know, opportunities for people to develop, but our habits that we've been developed as independent contributors or rewarded in our earlier career actually aren't really good at helping create environments that are allowing other people to you know, foster their thinking and contribute. So maybe interrupting or giving all of our ideas or telling people exactly what to do and how to do it. So it's helpful to have a coach or someone who can also help you see where the things are being really effective and where are some of those actions that maybe you aren't aware of that you could improve on to better align with that impact you want to have. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I think that culture is a result or an output of very specific inputs. And Absolutely. what you're talking about are those inputs because culture, everyone has a culture, the, the, the behaviors, the actions, the beliefs of leaders in an organization, not just leaders, but everyone in the organization, those result in something, some kind of a culture, which everyone has. And what you're talking about is that some organizations, those inputs maybe are negative inputs mm -hmm. or the wrong inputs. And, you know, I always ask the question, is it possible to change culture? Well, of course it is. If you understand what the inputs are and if you have the wrong inputs, like you said, interrupting, not listening, uh, telling, directing instead of coaching. Right. Um, all of those things, those those inputs are creating some type of a culture and maybe it's not the right culture definitely not a culture that supports continuous improvement right well so I mean, what would you say Kate? oh go ahead sorry no i was gonna say i mean this is you're describing you know your book exactly those the difference with the, the continuous appearance trap versus a culture of real continuous improvement and culture is just the accepted norms of behaviors and habits of individuals so yes if we can change at the individual level we will change at the culture level absolutely yeah. So what would you say uh, are some of those inputs that mm. you know, leaders that are listening in, it, you know, that, you know, we talk about leader standard work and how can I um, create some structure around those behaviors or those actions so that I'm very consistent and intentional about them. But what what are those actions? What are those behaviors? What would you say would be a couple that, you know, should be built into someone's leader standard work or should be a consistent mm. habit that they're doing regularly to create a culture of excellence. Well, absolutely. And so I've been, you know, thinking about what are some of those key, these key actions if we want to create a culture of continuous improvement. So really closing the gaps and process between where we are today and where we need to be. We also need to close the gaps in our own behavior and action. And the acronym GAPS can help us remember what some of those key actions are. The first is go see. So get out of our office, go see to check in on people and to check on process and to really understand what the what's happening at the work level, um, opposed to making assumptions. And again, it's really important to be seeing that as going to see not to be punitive or to assign blame, but with an open mind and an open heart to really uh, seek to understand and to connect and value people as well. So, uh, so the second, yeah, the second in gaps is GA, ask questions openly and with curiosity. When we do this, we invite other people's thinking. We can ask questions to help them see angles of things they hadn't thought of before um, and to 
keep the responsibility with the thinking with the other person rather than just giving all of our ideas. Uh, the P is to pause. We are so used to doing, 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 doing that we are uncomfortable with even like if we ask a question, we just, you know, ask another question or start filling the space with our thinking. If we ask a question, we need to give space for people to think. And also the more we can pause and connect with our own intention or pause and sort of slow down to give some space for thinking um, and some problem solving, we will achieve so much more. And then the, the fourth, the S, is about study. The PDSA, the plan, do, study, adjust cycle, I also call this reflection. So if we can build in a habit of reflection, that is where the learning really happens. What happened? <laughs> what did we expect to happen? You know, what, what are the reasons why? What adjustments do we need to make? And our culture is terrible about putting time and creating space and a habit around reflection. Again, we're so in this habit of do, 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 that it feels like we're not being like productive, but actually organizations like Toyota, and you'll see in companies across Japan, they, split, they spend a lot more time in that study part. And that is really where so much learning happens and we get smarter. So, so gaps, if you want to close the gaps, we got to go see, ask questions, pause, and study, reflect. I love that. I love that. It actually made me think of a story uh, from an engagement that I had with a client where the this manager was, uh, he was putting out fires all day long, and that's all mm. he did, you know. And he told me, he said, I can't even go out on the production floor because when I go out there, um, I'm literally just bombarded with people coming at me with all these different problems and then I have to go solve all of them. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. he's like, I, I can't go to the Gemba, right? That was his first complaint. So I said, well, let's go to the Gemba and let's try things a little bit differently. Um, and rather than uh, going and, and solving their problems for them, mm -hmm. rather than running to the fire and being the sole problem solver, the one person that can do everything, the Superman of the facility, let's try something a little bit different. Let's ask the question, what do you think we should do? And so we went out on the floor and sure enough, this person came up and said, uh, hey, problem, machine's down, I need you to come help me. And so we stopped and we, we asked the question, what do you think we should do, right? Which was a little different for this like, individual. That's yeah, yeah, that's not normal. Um, and the, the person uh, you know, thought about it and, and we paused and we listen, we, we, we allowed the person to think through an answer, right? And then eventually they, they said, well, I think the last time this happened, we cleaned off the rails and then we were able to get started up again. So we said, well, go try that and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll check in with you and see how it went. So we went out, we, we went around the rest of our game walk and uh, the plant manager, while we were walking, he said, that's not gonna work. And I said, why do you think that's not gonna work? And he said, well, the problem is, uh, I think the rails are bent or there was some other issue there. And I said, that's okay, because it's going to take this individual maybe 20, 30 minutes to figure out something that maybe you could have figured out in three or four minutes. But the only way that you can do that is because you've been able to walk through that PDSA cycle and you've learned enough to be able to do that. Well, we don't want you to be the only one to do that. We want every single individual out here to be able to do that. And so, you know, it took a little bit for him to understand that, but eventually the, the, the team members started to solve some of their own problems and the fires started to diminish following yeah. that, that gaps cycle. So it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, what, 
what when you said like we feel like we have this super like superpower like oh we're gonna solve problems and put out all the fires it's shifting our mindset to realize our superpower is in letting go in us having to have all the answers and to save the day and seeing that the heroics actually are creating that support enabling i one one of my clients sean he describes that he's like i have the superpower now it's simple i just like give people the, you know, the challenge of what we need to achieve. And then I go out and support them. I show up, I ask questions, I follow up and we're achieving so much more. And he's like, it's so simple, but it's so counterintuitive yes. to, you know, how we've been trained to what leadership is and what we've been rewarded for in like our, you know, in education for having the right answer, who can put their hand up the fastest, you know? So we have to just shift that and practice each and every day. Because yeah. you know what? I'm Katie Anderson and I have a telling habit and I have to work every day with such great intention to do those things, to slow down, to ask more questions, to pause. But it's gotten a lot easier with purpose, purposeful practice. Yes. So true. So true. People, people come to work and they want to do good work. They want to do a good job. Right. And so I think one of the other things that, uh, that we have to understand too as leaders is that we need to create a system and and fix the systems that are in place that are sometimes contributing to mm. uh why team members aren't able to to be empowered to do some of these things too so i think yes it, one part of it is to obviously empower them but the other part is it, it is for us as leaders to remove the roadblocks to fix the systems because people are coming to work and they want to do these things. Yeah, Unfortunately, too many times they're working in broken systems, right? Where they can't be successful. So that's also our, our role yeah. as leaders. Hey everyone, this is Patrick. So sorry to interrupt this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast, but I felt it necessary to take a quick moment and personally invite you to the Lean Solutions Summit on October 2nd to the 4th this fall, 2023. The theme of this year's global summit is leadership, people, purpose, passion. You do not want to miss this amazing experience with the top process improvement experts from your industry. No matter what industry you're working in, this summit has value for you. The summit offers four different industry tracks to include healthcare, corporate, higher education and nonprofit, and finally, government. Our opening keynote is Chris McChesney, the lead author of the number one Wall Street Journal best-selling business book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. The Op Sisters, Kathy Miller and Shannon Carrolls, the authors of Steel Toes and Stilettos will be joining us as well as yours truly and over 20 other speakers. The final day of the summit is full of workshops and there are limited seats for a tour of Menlo Innovations with Richard Sheridan and Zingerman's Mail Order with Dr. Jeff Liker, author of The Toyota Way. Early bird pricing is now available at Finelean Solutions forward slash summit dash 2023 or you can check the show notes for a link now back to the show absolutely you know i i'm thinking of the paint story in my book which is the story i've told the most from mr yoshino but this is really describes that so much like leaders so providing support isn't just coaching but it's also removing the barriers that inhibit people from doing you know being successful in their role for so, so for those of you who don't know this story, it's it's one that Mr. Yoshino, who worked at Toyota for 40 years, and he was John Shook's boss and was really instrumental in teaching and coaching 
senior leaders across um, across Toyota how to use A3 thinking and uh, so much more. He's the subject of my book, but he, when he had just joined Toyota, so he's 22 years old, he's assigned to the paint shop as part of his orientation and his one simple task for many weeks was to just pour paint and solvent into a big vat. And so as the cars came down the line, the paint would get sprayed on. Well, a few weeks into this, the, someone from the, sh the shop floor came running in saying, the paint was not sticking to the cars and over a hundred cars would have to be repainted. And of course, all eyes went on him. And think about like, what would likely happen for you in this situation in like at your organization? Would people be very calm? No, most likely people would like right. express anger or come over and yes. maybe like yell at you or certainly be very stern and maybe blaming. But that is not what they did. They had trained themselves to have a different response. So they went over to the Gemba. They went and saw. They asked questions. They said, you know, his boss included, what was the process you took to put the, you know, the paint and the solvent in the in the vat? And then so he, he's sitting there. He's 22. He's like, uh, this well, they paused, they they reflected, they saw what was happening. And it was very clear that the, the cans looked nearly identical and there was no clearly labeled space for the, the cans to be put. And then the amazing part is they reflected, they studied and they said, you know, thank you for making that mistake. So not only did they not blame him, they said, thank you for making that mistake because you've showed that we as the leaders did not set you up for be su successful as a new person in this environment. So they did some quick problem solving, said, what would you do differently? And they came up with a better plan. How different of an organization is that? A true culture of continuous improvement, one of now, they wouldn't have used this term back then, but we use now of psychological safety where it's okay to make mistakes because you are not gonna be blamed of course, we want to look at the system. And then how as leaders do we respond to that? And so that, you know, he even says like their probably the first response was a human one, like, oh my God, but they didn't act on it. So again, how do we align our actions with the impact we really want to have? Um, I just think it's just an amazing, um, amazing story and a real contrast for most of us in the organizations that we've worked in and probably for our own reaction in a similar situation. Absolutely. Powerful. Yeah, if people are afraid to to bring up problems or issues or to admit that they maybe, you know, I hate to use the word failed, but they they didn't, uh, you know, what, what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. Uh, if, if people are worried or scared to bring those types of things up, then the problems are hidden. And if problems are hidden, then we can't solve them, right? Mm -hmm. We need to make, bring the problems visible, bring mm -hmm. them to the surface. So that, uh, and, and the only way to do that is for people to be uh, working in a culture where it's safe mm -hmm. to, to show red, where it's safe to say mm -hmm. things didn't work out the way I expected. And now I'm going to reflect and figure out how I can, you know, approach this differently. Absolutely. Uh, up, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, Mr. Yoshino always says, you know, the Toyota leader's mindset is bad news first. But if we are going to invite bad news first, we also have to have our response not be one of blame when we hear the bad news. So if we want to make the problems visible and hear about them, we also have to have a response that rewards people for bringing forward um, not just problems, but the bad news, and then can try to contribute their thinking to solve the problems. So true. Um, hey, I want to take a, I want to pause just a minute, Katie. And yeah. if anyone, we're live right now, uh, uh, both on LinkedIn, Facebook, both of our LinkedIn pages. So if you're just logging in, uh, Katie and I are discussing cultures of continuous improvement. 
Uh, we're also going to discuss the upcoming Japan study trip as well. Uh, and we're going to do a, a book giveaway for those of you that are on, on live of both of our books. But if you're logged on right now and you haven't dropped a comment in to let us know where you're from, please do that now. And then also share this out, share this video out to your network, to your page, because mm. there's some really great stuff that's being thrown out there around cultures of continuous improvement, um, challenges and benefits of, and even uh, we're throwing some nuggets out too on things that Katie and I have experienced with some of the, the clients that we've worked with or organizations that we work yeah. in too. So please share this video. Um, Katie, so I wanna, talk, I wanna transition here just a little bit because we're gonna run out of time very quickly. And I want to stay on point here. Um, you brought up Mr. Yoshino. I have the opportunity to meet Mr. Yoshino, and I'm going to learn about the Japanese culture. I am going to the Gemba, literally, in Japan in May uh, to learn uh, the importance of the Japanese culture and how it was such an integral part in the success of Toyota, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, want to, I want to ask you, why do you do... The, this Japan study trip. I know why, but I want I want our listeners, yeah. I want everyone that's logged on to know, like, why do you do this? What? How did this start? What? Where did it come from? Uh, well, so I'm so excited to be back in Japan or going back to Japan. And I was there in January of this last year. As I mentioned earlier, I lived in Japan for uh, in 2015 and 2016 and had just developed this rich appreciation for the Japanese culture, and as a lean practitioner, continuous improvement practitioner, the opportunity to go learn about Toyota and the source and other companies that are practicing, you know, philosophies around Kaizen and Emotenashi, which is customer service and so much more. I just, and I developed this relationship with Mr. Yoshino at that time. And little did I know in 2015, when I met him for the first time in Toyota City and he took me to Toyota, that it would become one of the most important like adult relationships in my life. But I am passionate about going back to Japan to be able to provide people with the similar experience that I had, of course, in a shortened time and all the relationships that I was able to develop with different companies and leaders of all different sizes and who are different stages of practicing what we call lean. They don't use that word um, in Japan itself but really understanding what is it special that Toyota did? And then what are some things that other companies are doing to bring in these concepts as well? And one of the things I do want to highlight is that not Japanese culture and Toyota culture are not synonymous. So there are some Japanese cultural you know, norms that Toyota really had to overcome to really create a thriving um, Kaizen culture. But, to, but Japan's sort of the Japanese culture's focus on uh, precision and always going for perfection and continually learning in a deep practice of Hansei or reflection and a deep commitment to service all really contributes to a lot of the innovation and people engagement in the organizations that are really putting energy towards that type of culture. So yeah, yeah so, I'm, I'm so you. excited to be going back. No, <laughs> the pandemic really put a damper in that. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be a blast. So we go in May. The the, the trip is completely full. Uh, we'll talk about some other opportunities for those listening yeah. in that, that want to do a trip in the future. Uh, but before we do that, um, what are we going to learn what, when, it, when it comes to the Japanese culture and, mm. and Toyota's success? 
Mm. Give us just a, you know, a feel for, you know, what is it about the culture in Japan that contributed to Toyota's success or, or, you know, what, what was the connection there? And can you help, yeah. help some well, of us understand that? Yeah. And that's, you know, there's so many different elements. And of course, Japan, uh, the Toyota leaders too, were going to the U S and also were inspired by some of, you know, the principles and practices of successful U S companies and the, you know, the supermarket concept. Some of the concepts we're going to be discovering when we are in Japan are going to an elementary school and seeing how the concept of motanai or regret for waste is really instilled in children at an early age, as well as responsibility and respect for your community. So Japanese children across the country um, are served food you know, at their lunch and are expected to have a small portion and leave no waste. But this is not then for them to overeat. And so you get to experience sort of how that process happens. And then there are no janitors in the schools. Mm. The children clean their schools each and every day, even the elementary schools. And of course, they're, they're on a learning curve and given different responsibilities, but they're cleaning the floors, wiping the walls. And think about how much respect for your community and respect for your environment happens when you have responsibility for, you know, taking care of your environment. And I think that those are really foundational principles that we are not so good of, at least in the United States, but I think you know many uh, many other countries in the, same, in the same way. So that sense of responsibility and contribution is really there. Uh, something that Toyota did, I think was a little different than maybe some of um, some people experience in other companies in uh, Japan is that, well, they have a very clear, you know, uh, hierarchical structure, you know, in Toyota, they've managed to flip that truly to be that the leader's role is to develop their people. So in some other um, Japanese companies, it's still, you know, you may want wait for the boss to give all of the answers, but Toyota really leveraged that structure to enable the creativity and problem solving at people at all levels. So you see that happening through the you know, from the team leaders on the floor to supporting and removing barriers for people to guess, get their job done as the card comes down the line to putting in continuous improvement Kaizen, you know, ideas each and every day. And there's so many companies that do this around uh, Japan as well, really asking people to make their work better in service of making, you know, the outcomes better as well. Oh, I love it. Those are some of the things we'll see. And of course, you know, going to see the different Toyota suppliers and how, Toyota has invested in their community to teach their suppliers the Toyota way and the Toyota production system because they rely on their suppliers, right? And so you'll see that connection both from a pole system for doing the production, but also in how, you know, seeing beyond their walls of teaching and growing this chain of learning is really how the whole, you know, the whole system is going to create a culture of continuous improvement as well. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I have so many questions and it's going to be difficult for me. I'm, I'm going to practice listening though, because I want to, I want to learn as much as I can. So I'm going to have to listen. Uh, but I also have so many questions. So I'm excited. Um, if, if you're just logging on, Katie and I uh, are discussing cultures of continuous improvement. Uh, we also would like to answer some questions too. So if you have yeah. a question for us uh, and we're on the live, so if you're watching the replay, uh, go ahead and comment replay. 
Uh, but if you're on live with us right now, feel free to drop a, a question in the comments and Katie and I will try to field those as best we can over the next uh, 10 minutes as we as we wrap up this morning. Uh, but yeah, drop a drop a question, anything uh, that you want to ask uh, about Katie's book, about my book, about cultures of continuous improvement, about the Japan, uh, about the trip, the study trip to Japan. We'd love to uh, to answer some of those questions. So it uh, looks like Pedro uh, just dropped a question in. Uh, why is it so difficult to do this in the Western world? Any thoughts yeah. on that, Katie? Well, I do. And also, I, I want to be clear, too, it's not easy in Japan either. So, well, Patrick, you're going to be going to a lot of companies who have leaders who are really committed to this mindset. This is not like the way it is across uh, across all of Japan. So there are different cultural aspects that all of us are challenged by, but maybe they're different. But for, why is it so difficult in Western world? For me, I think it's because we are so focused on doing and outcomes. So we reward the outcome and less about the process to get there. And, you know, that again goes back to what we were talking about earlier today that, you know, in school we're rewarded for having that right answer, for coming to it fast. We're, we're all in this culture of busyness. We just got to keep doing, doing, doing. And, you know, we do the checking at the end. Did we, did we achieve it or not achieve it? But then we just keep doing and not spending that time in reflection. So I really think that our habit of doing, which is tied to our habit of telling, our habit of doing and our focus on that aspect is really an inhibitor of us really doing the study, the reflection, and then the adjustment so that we're more purposeful in looking at process. So that yeah. that's that's one that to me that is like one of the biggest uh, root causes of why it's challenging in the Western world. Yeah, I agree. What do you um, think, Patrick? I, I, no, I, I I agree with you totally. I think um, you know one one of the other things on top of that, or that maybe complements that a little bit, is that I think just uh, culturally in the Western world, um, you know, we we have a tendency to uh, as leaders to direct to tell, to be, mm. to try to be accountable for everything ourselves, yeah. to be the one decision maker, to you know, be the Superman, as I mentioned earlier, um, versus, you know, understanding that we, uh, or I guess maybe it's not understanding, but um, allowing or empowering and, and bringing everyone uh, the skills and abilities that they need in order to be yeah. successful as a whole, as a team, um, and sharing that accountability, sharing that decision-making, sharing the problem solving, for whatever reason, I think it's it's just a little bit more difficult uh, in the Western world. I think just based on um, history, uh, culture, you know, background. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think a lot of companies, um, you know, are are flipping the script on that and starting to think about things a little bit differently. And I think uh, I'm excited to see what what happens um, in the future too. So me too. I it's it's fun to see these chains of of learning grow in organizations and it culture really can change through the commitment of even just a few people to set the tone and to create those aha moments and to to sort of foster that foster that change absolutely um, I just saw another question come in uh, from Michael uh, how do we provide management with the tools and skill sets to empower employees and create a sustainable environment mm -hmm. I've seen many managers come in and wreak the high performance of employees because they want to do it their way. Um, mm. I want to take this one real quick, Katie. Yeah, Katie. please. I think, uh, you know, I, I also see this in a lot of organizations. Uh, leaders today, you know, normally don't stay at an organization or in a position, I guess, longer than, you know, two years 
at the most. So what's happening is leaders are coming into positions. They're trying to do as much as they can, as quick as they can in a, in a two year period uh, and, and then leaving and going on somewhere else. And, and so they're bringing and a lot of organizations allow leaders to come in and bring their own flavor, you know, or, or leaders are taking the initiative to just bring their own flavor in. And what happens is people, organizations are in complete chaos because different leaders are coming in and, and they're removing certain things and adding in their own and then leaving. And then another leader mm -hmm. comes in, pulls that out, throws something else in. I think the key is that organizations have to have a, a, a continuous improvement or a system of management that leaders have to buy into when they come in. Now, of course, every leader has their own leadership style. They're going to bring some of their own stuff, but they have to have a system that they're following, a management system that's built around continuous improvement principles, that's built around those inputs the habits, the behaviors that are going to create a, a culture of continuous improvement. Once we have that system in place, it shouldn't matter as leaders come and go. That system mm. should be constant and that should create the stability that we need in mm. order to continue to improve uh, uh, based on that. Do you have anything to add on that, Katie? Well, absolutely. So, you know, I was just reflecting on a conversation I had on stage with Larry Culp, who is the CEO of General Electric we were speaking at the Association for Manufacturing Excellence and I was asking him questions about, you know, he's come into GE and he's really trying to create this culture of continuous improvement. But it was important for him not to just come in and like, you know, push his way, but really do those things, starting to go see, ask questions, pause, study and reflect, and then in, in lead the way by doing was going to create that culture. But if he had just said, this is how we're going to do it and like this, you know, pushed out everyone's way, that was not going to have a, a people are not going to feel bought into that. So uh, we can totally destroy the high performance of our teams if we just come in and say it has to be our way or the highway. But how are you showing and demonstrating value and truly listening to what people have to say as well? Um, and and I, I agree with you completely, though, that it's, we you know, this goes back to our being rewarded for the doing. So when managers are only in positions for two years, they're expected to achieve results. And achieving results is often seen as like the the end the end point. And of course, Toyota wants good outcomes, good wants good results. I, Larry Culp at GE wants that the same way. But they see that the process and the people are the way to get there. And so it's just really shifting our mindset. But yeah, people can come in and really um, really wipe things out. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lisa asked if Toyota's leadership style is servant leadership. Mm. You know, I, I would say you could call it that it's, you know, it's clarity on leaders set the clear direction. Right. But then within that, they're trying to enable their people and in service of their people to achieve those goals. Like Mr. Yoshino said, my goal is my role as a manager was to give my direct report a mission or target and then support him, which were men back in the time in the 80s to him achieve that target. And then I was, I was, you know, I had to be aware I was developing myself at the same time, which is what led me to think that leader's role is to set the direction, provide support and develop yourself. Yes. So we need to be in service of developing people to achieve the outcomes that we need. Absolutely. I love it. Um, I, I always like to, uh, to, to think about leaders in organizations that have a true culture of continuous improvement. Um, the leaders almost take this like, this this um, behind the scenes role where all they're doing is feeding as as much as they can to the the frontline 
you know, the value add workers, employees, and removing as many roadblocks as they can, giving them the skills and the abilities. They're almost like this hidden uh, person behind the scenes that's giving them everything they can to, to be successful, right? And um, and again, whether you call that servant leadership or or you know what the term is, uh, it's really helping your team to be successful. Yeah. Uh, there's also a question, Katie, about sustainment. A couple questions actually that mm. came in. So uh, a management system alone is not enough from Daniel. Uh, and then Golden uh, asked about sustainment as well. How do you manage uh, or how do you sustain a continuous improvement culture over the long haul? Any any thoughts on that? Well, right. So the, the management system is sort of the the way that we are managing and interacting and that, but that also requires that last part, develop ourselves. How are we practicing each and every day to function in that management system and to be doing the things that we've committed to doing? And then as, as leaders, having that system where people are, we're developing and supporting people to grow into those management roles, to know the way of operating. You can't just like say, this is our management system, uh, go forth. It is about behaviors and actions. And so everything, other things are tools that support that, you know, leader standard work. You know, Mr. Yoshino had never heard of leader standard work. It's a tool that we have created to help support the practices and habits that we need. So it's great. Use the tools that are going to help you sustain the behaviors that will sustain the management system. Yeah, I love the, the leader standard work, uh, layered process audits. Again, those are tools, uh, but they, they there's different uh, uh, aspects of, of you know, that, that, that will help um, to support it, the, the sustainment for sure. But it's definitely difficult. It's, it's not an easy road. And mm -hmm. uh, there's so many other, uh, uh, there's more questions that are coming in. And uh, also on that sustainment one, I know there's more we could talk about, uh, yeah. but I will, I want to leave it to all of you that are listening in. Those of you that are uh, lean coaches, practitioners that are doing this, if you have other ideas, and, you know, throw them in the comments. Uh, actually look for some of the questions that maybe haven't been answered during our time today and answer those, comment on those. Let's create a, a discussion uh, yes. even within this, this uh, live uh, um, post and uh, have some, some more discussions around some of these questions and answers. We'll, we'll, we'll try to help add some, some answers in ourselves as well. Katie, um, we're, we're gonna do a, a book giveaway and I wanna make sure we have time for that. Uh, and then also real quick, can you tell us a little bit about your A3 masterclass that you have going on? Yes. Well, this is so fitting for this topic. So one of the most important tools at Toyota that supports this culture of continuous improvement is using an A3 report. And Mr. Yoshino was one of the continuous improvement coaches at Toyota to help really embed this as a practice across the whole management system. And we are holding a live a How to A3 Masterclass next week on uh, April 5th. It'll be 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. It's a two and a half hour class. It'll be very late for Mr. Yoshino, I think 11.30 p.m. in Japan. Um, and we're offering it live. If you're not able to join live, you can also sign up and get the recording in all of the documents. But the reason we decided to put together this masterclass was we were both observing people's confusion around how to use A3, how to create A3, the different types and purposes, and really getting back to the fundamentals about how to successfully create an effective and more powerful A3 report and how to help other people do the same. So come learn from one of Toyota's A3 masters. He was John Shook's 
um, manager who taught him how to do A3 and was the manager um, or the, the inspiration for John's book, Managing to Learn, the manager character, uh, and so much more. And I'm going to be sharing insights that I've gained from being trained by LEI to teach A3 thinking, as well as working with clients for the last 15 years, practicing and creating A3s as well. So we'll be putting in more information around that. That's um, April 5th next week uh, on Wednesday, and hope you all can join us for that session. Awesome. And there'll be opportunities to talk with Mr. Yoshino as well. Perfect. And again, if anyone wants to register, uh, use the QR code in, in the, the uh, live here today to, to register for that. Uh, and again, drop, drop your questions into the comments. I know Katie and I won't be able to get to them today, but I'd love for the CI community come together, help answer some of these questions that are dropping into the comments here. Katie yeah. and I will jump back on after the live, try to answer some questions, have yeah. some discussions. Um, yeah, we may have to have a part two uh, follow-up live discussion too. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.